praises ring. So was anybody at the Wren Collective concert on Thursday night? Give it a loud shout. Woo! It was awesome. And they sang this next song we're going to do. It's called You Are My Vision. And before, at one point in the sermon, or sermon, woo, he said, this is a foretaste of heaven. This party that we get to have singing praises is what it's going to be like in heaven all the time. So that's what I just want this song to be. Just a little party, a little piece of heaven here on Allendale's campus. And I'm excited to do that with you guys. So let's keep on going. One, two, three, four.
you guys pray with me? Father God, you are awesome. We just fall before you here tonight, knowing you are in this room, you're on this campus, you're in our lives, God, that you are working, you go before us, you go with us, and you go after us. God, that's awesome. We just pray for your grace tonight for the times when we get distracted or are thinking too much about what's going on in our own lives to see what you have for us, God. I just pray that you would wipe out all of that distraction, wipe out all of it, God, so that there's more room for you, because that's what we want. Fill us up. God, Ben's words, use them to impact every heart in this room, God. We love you. We give you the glory. Amen. You guys can have a seat. How we doing? Uh, you guys sounded awesome. You guys are pretty good singers. Do you know that? Uh, for those of you maybe not so much, the rest of you can drown us. You know, drown people like me out. So that's helpful, I guess. Uh, anyway, thanks for the worship team again. Shall we do that? I give thanks to God for people who have gifts different than my own, uh, as do you, because if I had to do what they do, we would not be having as much fun here tonight. So, um, so before we started singing, I, asked you, I told you that somebody in California won the Powerball jackpot, $228.4 million. That $0.4 million is a really big, too, big deal too, right? Uh, what were some of the things that you said would be really fun to do to, like, spend on yourself? Pay off college tuition, and there's an amen right there, all right? Right. You would travel, all right. Family vacation. Take it to the Ellen Show, all right. A new house, Nice. A $220 million house or like a house? $20 million house. <laughs> just, just $20 million, okay? Not, no, big, no big deal. You're going to the Super Bowl. Is your team going to the Super Bowl or just you? Okay, somehow you're going to pay money to have the Lions go to the Super Bowl. Packers, I know, kidding. Uh, how, about, how about for other people? I mean, if you were like, hey, I won $220 million, Here's what I'd like to do with this money to help people other than myself. Did you have a hand up? Throw a party. I would come to that. One more time. Halfway house. Beautiful. Open up a coffee shop. At least 10% to the church. Mission work in Africa, maybe build a bigger cook the wood or something like that, right? <laughs> hey, it's, it's fun to dream about this kind of stuff, isn't it? I mean, some of you won the lottery tonight by winning a raffle ticket. Maybe you, who, who's ready to go buy a lotto ticket with $225 million? I mean, that sounds like fun. Uh, good luck. Uh, this semester, we have talked about, uh, this is week four of the well. Week one, we talked about who do people say that Jesus is and who do you say that I am. Week two, we talked about discipleship and what it was like in the first century and Jesus going to 
uh, a couple of brothers who are out fishing, and he says, hey, come, follow me. I believe you have what it takes to be like me. Uh, And then last week, Chris was talking about Jesus calling Matthew, the tax collector, to come and follow him as well. And Matthew being a tax collector associated with, you know, sinners and just not having a very good reputation. We had a conversation about how God is a God who gives second chances and and nobody is uh, too bad or too sinful or has done something too, uh, too dark to be outside of God's call to come and follow him. It's been a good start to a semester, don't you think? Uh, as we consider this idea of what does it really mean to follow Jesus, we want to spend a few weeks taking a closer look, really, who is, who is this guy? I mean, we know, some of us know, like, the Sunday school answers or, like, the, the typical, yeah, we know who Jesus is, but let's take a closer look at who he is uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, if you have a Bible... I encourage you to open to Matthew chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, I have friends who would love to loan you one. Or you can keep it if you need it. But uh, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. And I have a few friends who are going to come up and read uh, this scripture uh, for us tonight. So my friend Ann and my friend Devin and my friend Aubrey, why don't you guys come on up? Okay, Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and we're going to read for a little bit, which is why I have people that are going to help me read. Um, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through the end of chapter 2, okay? As we are reading tonight, I want you to pay close attention, listen carefully. What are some things that jump out at you? What, what are some significant observations? Or maybe more importantly, what are, are there any themes or repetitions that take place in the passage? Uh, and before they read, I just want to offer a prayer one more time. Jesus, we give you thanks for the opportunity we have to be here tonight to celebrate you and worship you and read your word. I pray that as we... Um, open up the scriptures tonight, that somehow you will open up our eyes and open up our hearts to see new things in new ways. Uh, And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1, 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce divorce her in secret. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw him, for we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when went in they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped them. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in, the, in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, Ju over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that, was sp that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a couple of minutes in groups of like three or four. Uh, what were some of the observations? What are the things that popped out of you? Are there any themes or repetitions that take place in the scriptures that they just read? So go ahead and chat about that with a neighbor. Make sure you introduce yourself if you don't know them as well.
Okay. Uh, this is a very familiar passage, uh, often read when it's a lot colder outside, maybe some snow on the ground. It's the, it's the Christmas story, right? Um, what are some of the things you talked about in your group? What are some of the maybe observations you had, something that jumped out at you, themes, repetitions? Somebody, somebody, somebody who's got something. What's that? Lots of dreams. There's lots of dreams going on. Very good. Something else? Lots of running away. Also true. What's that? A lot of prophets were fulfilled. Uh, this was fulfilled, what was spoken by the prophet. That's a, that's a theme that's repeated a few times as well. Very good. Obedience. Yeah, yep, very good. Uh, I mean, not very good, but good observation. Um, good observation, thank you. Anything else? Trust. Trust jumps out of you, yes. I mean, Joseph, hey, guess what? Somehow Joseph is trusting Mary with this story, right? That's a good question. Who is Rachel and why did her children die? That is a very good question. All right, so... Um, well done. Good work, team. I want to talk. I want to talk about one of these things that was mentioned specifically. Okay, there are five times mentioned in the passage that we read that Jesus fulfills an Old Testament prophecy. Okay, so there's five of them. What are they, and where are they? Let's find the first one. Who found the first one? What verse is that? Verse 23. Chapter 1, verse 23. And it's a prophecy fulfilling from what uh, prophet? Do you know? Isaiah. It's in Isaiah. There's, uh, for those of you that have study Bibles, or maybe it's not even a study Bible, there's little footnotes at the bottom that might tell you that that is a uh, prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, all right. Number one, born of a virgin. What's number two? All right, what verse is that? Uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Very good. And that is from what, what prophet? Micah. Micah chapter 5. Very good. What's the next one? Third one. Out of Egypt I have called my son. What, where is that found? 2, verse 15. Okay, and that is a... Uh, prophecy from Hosea, chapter 11. What's the next one? Voice heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. That's chapter 2, verse 18, and that is a reference to what? Jeremiah, chapter 31. And the fifth one is where? Chapter 2, verse 23, he will be called a Nazarene. Uh, likely a reference, it's a little bit ambiguous on that one, but likely a reference to Isaiah chapter 11. Um, but we can talk about that another time if you would like to do so. Okay, so let's talk for a second about this, okay? 
this is maybe something that's not talked about a lot uh, at Christmas time, and so I'd like to talk about it tonight because I find it to be fascinating. Um, first of all, a word about the Old Testament prophets, okay? A prophet from the time of the Old Testament, his primary job, his primary role was to communicate whatever it was that God told him to communicate. So somehow God's voice would speak through these uh, people who were called to be prophets. So God says, okay, I've got a word for the people, and I want to speak this word through uh, my servant Anne. And so Anne is a prophet, and whenever Anne, whatever Anne speaks, that's, that goes, okay, because that's the voice of God. So this was, this was kind of the primary role of Old Testament prophets. Not only did they give the, you know, the, the vo- not only were they the voice of God, they were also at, they were also often predicting events that were yet to come. They looked to the future, God gave them a word, and they warned the people of things that were yet to come. Some good news, some not so good news. This was kind of the job of the prophets. And this was a really big deal, because if you were a prophet, and you just thought, hey, I'll just throw this out there and hope that this prediction comes true, if you were a false prophet, if what you, if you, if what you prophesy, excuse me, does not come true, you could be put to death. So you have to listen to the voice of God very carefully. And if you're going to make some very crazy prediction of the future, it's a pretty big deal because you could be killed if, it's, if it does not come true. Okay? So five times in this passage, uh, there's these prophecies about a Messiah who is to come. In Hebrew, it's Mashiach. Say Mashiach. Mashiach, it literally means anointed one. Or in Greek, it's Christos. Say Christos. Christos, where we get Christ. Okay, so in Christianity, we, call, we, we say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ really means the Messiah. He, was, he is the fulfillment of what was yet to come. Uh, it's not his last name. Some people think that, but it was not his last name. All right, so Jesus, he's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He was the one that people were anticipating. He was the one who was to come. In this passage, he fulfills five of these prophecies. I want to talk for a few minutes about what are the the odds of somebody randomly fulfilling one of these prophecies or two or five of these prophecies? What are the odds that some person randomly would, would actually uh, fulfill the things that were written hundreds of years prior to them. Uh, first of all, but before we dive into that, tonight we did a little raffle, right? There's maybe a little over 300 of you in here. We have three prizes. So your odds were pretty good of winning, right? One in three, one in one out of 100 or something like that, really, right? So congratulations to those who won, and for those that did not win, I'm sorry you had pretty good odds. Uh, We talked about winning the Powerball jackpot. Do you guys know what the odds are of winning the Powerball jackpot? It's one in 175 million. Okay? So, to help us wrap our minds around this a little bit, let's pretend we want to go in together and win the lottery. Okay? So, let's have... A couple semis of $1 bills come to the Cook DeWitt. Okay? 
we have all these $1 bills, 175 million $1 bills are going to come to the Cook the Witch. And on one of these $1 bills, on the back of it, it says winning ticket or something like that, okay? So, all right, I've got $3 here. Let's say four, four, $4. We'll just start with $4. Okay, so let's just pretend there's 175 million $1 bills that are delivered to the Cook the Witch. One of them is a winning ticket. In order for us to select the one, we have to lay them out a little bit, right? To figure out which one we're going to select. So we'll just set one here, and we'll set another one like this next to it, right? So you know, I'm trying to show you, and then I'm going to set on the floor, okay? So then we'll do three in a row like this. Is this making sense? Okay. All right, we got four $1 bills here. We only need a few more. Uh, and this would go from the Cook to Wit to Cleveland, Ohio. And then from Cleveland to Portland, Maine, to Orlando, Florida, to San Antonio, to San Diego, to Green Bay, Chicago, and then back to the Cook to Wit. One dollar bill after another dollar bill after another dollar bill. Twice. twice. Six, over 16,000 miles of $1 bills. We would have to take a couple laps around the United States to select one of these bills to have the winning ticket on it. These, this my friend, is your odds of winning the Powerball jackpot. And I would say your odds are actually pretty good from what we're going to talk about tonight, okay? So, they say, I mean, I've done a, I did a little bit of digging this, these past few weeks. Uh, it's very difficult, a little bit ambiguous, to try to determine probability of somebody fulfilling prophecies. And there's, there's no exact way to do an exact uh, mathematical se sequence of this. But I consulted a few scholars. I talked with a, a stats prof here at uh, Grand Valley, who's also my cousin, and another uh, math guru who knows a lot more about math than I do, and basically this is the best guess that we have, okay? Uh, Jesus, the probability of him fulfilling the prophecy of being born in Bethlehem is about one in a hundred thousand. Okay? Decent odds. But in our text, he fulfills five prophecies. So if we use the same statistic of uh, one of 100,000 for one of them, what is the likelihood that some person randomly fulfills five of these prophecies? Well, that is one in 10 to the 25th power. Or also looks like this. 25 zeros, also known as 10 septillion case that helps you at all. I don't know. So, uh, okay, so what are, let's, let's do this again, okay? Let's do this again. What are the odds, okay? We have 10 septillion $1 bills, okay? But instead of stacking them like this, we're just going to stack them on top of each other, okay? We're going to stack them on top of each other, 10 septillion $1 bills. We'll set them right here. We'll need a few more and that would go from here to the moon and back. 28 times.
Okay, okay. He was just lucky. Maybe he was just lucky. Okay, so Jesus fulfills five prophecies in our text. But if you were to read the rest of the story, you would discover that Jesus actually fulfills a little over 300 prophecies. Now, what are the odds? <laughs> what are the odds that some person could just randomly fulfill all 300 prophecies? Go ahead and put that next slide, uh, screen up there. One in 10 to the 1,500th power. Or it looks something like this. That didn't work out so well, but that's three full screens of zeros. I don't know why that didn't work out. Uh, anyway, that's 1,500 zeros, uh, also known as 15 Google, in case you were wondering. Um, for reference, uh, scientists have determined that there are about 10 to the 87th power atoms in the observable universe. So this is significantly higher than 17 times the number of atoms that exist in our observable universe. These are the odds of some person randomly fulfilling 300 prophecies. So if we had 15 uh, Google $1 bills, and we stacked them one on top of the other, it would go to the moon and back a few times. I don't know how many times. I couldn't do the math that high, so uh, 15 Google. That is an actual word, and the Google company actually named their company after this. You know, one Google is 100 zeros after it. So when you do the search engine thing, you got all these little O's because they represent all these zeros. So there you go, fun fact for you. Uh, okay, one in 15 Google. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. And, and, and these stats basically like totally ignore the, the, the probability of being bo born of a virgin. Because like I can't think of how we could work on the probability of that. Because basically it's zero, right? <laughs> Which leads me to think there must be something significantly amazing about this guy. This is not just some random person who just happened to win the lottery. There's something, there's a big deal that's going on here. There's something special about this guy. Who is this Jesus? He fulfills over 300 prophecies, things that were written hundreds of years before he even came to be. Born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, of the tribe of Abraham and Judah, descendant of Abraham and Judah, David. Who is this Jesus guy? It must be amazing. He fulfills all these prophecies that an entire nation of people were waiting hundreds and hundreds of years with great eagerness and great anticipation is he going to come? Is somebody going to come? Is there going to be a Messiah? 
fulfills all of these things. Maybe you are here tonight and you're a little skeptical. Skeptical of my math, which is probably fine. Uh, Maybe you're skeptical of this book. Maybe you think, you know, maybe it was rigged somehow. Maybe somehow they, you know, the authors changed things in the New Testament to help reflect things in the Old Testament. Or maybe they changed some things in the Old Testament so that Jesus would actually fulfill these things. I think that's a legitimate thing to be thinking about or wondering about. I mean, we, I base my entire faith life walk on this book. And if you profess to be a Christian, you do as well. How do we know this thing's even reliable? It's fun to talk about what are the chances that he fulfills all 300 of these things, but the first step is, what about this book? Can we really even trust this book? In 1947, in the land of Israel, there was a shepherd boy who was hanging around, hiking in the desert, and he stumbled upon these scrolls found in a cave. He found the scroll of the entire book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah was written about 600 years before Jesus was born. The scroll of Isaiah that they found dates to be about 150 years before Jesus was born. Same with uh, the prophet Micah. Uh, They found fragments from the book of Micah. They didn't find the entire book. Uh, at the Dead Sea Scrolls, what they, they call these scrolls that they have found, they have found so many different fragments from every book of the Old Testament except the book of Esther. There's debate about why not Esther, but that's not really relevant for right now. But they did find fragments from Micah, and they have the reference from Micah chapter 5 of a ruler is going to come out of Bethlehem. Micah was written about 600 years before Jesus was born, and again, this piece of parchment dates to about 150 years before Jesus even existed. Our Bible was based on, uh, the Bible we have today was based on what they call the Masoretic Text. Uh, and the Masoretic Text, they, they wrote out the Bible, and then several years later, they finally find these Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. And they thought, holy cow, these Dead Sea Scrolls are 1,000 years older than the earliest version we had of this Bible. So let's do a quick comparison. Let's see how well they match. The scrolls we just found in 1947 are a thousand years older than the, than the script that we had for the Bible that you're holding in your hand. And they did a comparison, 99.8% complete match. Discrepancy was a few spelling errors. Nothing significant. In addition, our Bibles today, uh, in addition, they also have found in total now about 40,000 pieces of ancient manuscript that support this book. 40,000. Now, if a scribe or a monk who was copying down the scrolls decided, you know, I'm not really sure about this part of the Old Testament, maybe I'll have it say this or change some things or modify some things. I mean, there's thousands of copies that are out there. Which one's going to stick out like a sore thumb? If one, of them, if one of them was rigged or changed or modified in any way, it's going to stick out. 
and it's not going to be the same like all the other ones. To me, that speaks volumes because I feel like for me as a Christian, I can put my faith and my trust in this book. When we get done reading, we say these are the very words of God and we say, thanks be to God because this is a big deal. This is important. This is amazing. It's one of the most amazing historical finds in the history of the world. Any other historical things that take place, it's like, do we even have evidence of that? There's more evidence for the Bible than almost anything else historically from uh, that time period, for sure. Or maybe you would also like to argue the Bible was written by a bunch of people. Numerous human authors over hundreds of years, maybe that's attest to its lack of reliability and authority to you. I would contend that although the Bible was written by over 40 authors, representing 20 occupations, living in 10 countries on three continents during a 15-year span, working in three languages with a cast of 2,930 characters and 1,551 different settings, all using all literary genres in 66 books, Yet as I read this book from beginning to end, there's an incredible unity that takes place. It's one story and it all fits together. It's the most incredible puzzle that's been put together and we get to read this piece of artwork. If the Bible is truly historically reliable, if this book is authoritative, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, if Jesus really did fulfill over 300 prophecies, maybe, just maybe, we should take his words seriously. Maybe we can truly stand on the words of Jesus. Listen carefully to his words. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's going to take care of you. Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. These are the words of Jesus. A person who was greatly anticipated for hundreds and hundreds of years by an entire nation who astoundingly, with ridiculous probability, fulfills these 300 prophecies. There's something special about this guy. Born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, what are the chances? Really? Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus believes in you. Jesus calls you to come follow him. And he says, hey, I think you have what it takes to be like me. Come and follow me. Will you? Will you follow him and will you follow 
his work. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of tonight and for these words. Thank you for the ways that you may be speaking to us. Thank you for the ways that I myself feel re- renewed in uh, the awesomeness of, of who Jesus really is. And yet he loves me and he loves the people that are here. And it's just astounding. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to worship tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. Pray that we find life in your word and truth in your word and that we can trust you and your word. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Will you guys stand and sing with us? Self. 
guys pray this out? Spirit, lead me. out how marvelous how wonderful singing
He took my sins. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. some quick announcements. I wish we could keep singing. Um, so on that note, actually, tomorrow night, if you don't know yet, we're having our CPR. Who's excited? Yeah. Woo! Awesome. It is an awesome event to bring friends to. Um, it's basically getting to do this with 500 of your best friends. So definitely invite somebody. It's at 9 p.m. in the Grand River Room. So study really hard earlier in the day so you guys can come. It's going to be a really great event. Um, the next thing we have, we're so excited for those of you that are new that are with us, but for those of you who've been here for a long time, who want to give back in some way, who want to support, um, we are a ministry that is always needing that. So we are going to have offering plates in the back, so give what you want to. Um, it's a great way to keep the things that Campus Ministries gets to do for students going on and on. So just something to think about. Um, the next uh, announcement we have is for the uh, Young Life uh, Weekend that's happening. It's this weekend. The third and the fourth, who's excited? There we go. Come on. 
If you haven't signed up yet, there are still spots. It is $45. In the back, there is a yellow piece of paper with more information. All the sign-up is online for that event. Um, the last announcement I have for you guys, actually two more. Um, the first one is those of you that have been a part of the bridge, and even if you haven't been, um, the month of October, they are going to be doing some uh, church shopping, showing you some different churches that are around that are partnering with Campus Ministries. The first one they are going to is Alive Ministries. If you are, yeah, get a whoo. Um, so if you are looking for a church in the area to get connected to in the morning, um, this is a great one. Uh, the carpool is going to be at 10 o'clock in the, the Kirkhoff lot. So in, sorry, Cook to It, my bad. Sorry, Chris. Um, so you can meet here at Cook to It for a ride. Um, they are going to be visiting with four different churches. So be on the lookout each week. We'll let you know what the next one is going to be. Um, and the last announcement I have is for social media plugs. Um, we do have a hashtag. We actually are in the 21st century now. Um, so right up there is going to be all the different ways you can connect with Campus Ministries. So hashtag CMGVSU, follow their Twitter, Instagram, pictures during this or other events is going to be a great way to connect as well. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening, and here's Ben. Will you stand with me a minute? The Christmas story is a pretty familiar one. And I love thinking about this idea of an entire nation of people waiting and waiting and waiting with incredible anticipation. If you're a baseball fan, the Royals fans are incredibly excited right now because they are in the playoffs for the first time since 1985, okay? If you've been a die-hard Royals fan, which nobody in, you, nobody in here should be, but if you had been, um, there's been great rejoicing with that community over the past week, okay? How much more so the community who is greatly anticipating this moment? The Magi. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east, they went ahead of them, uh, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Or some translations say, rejoiced exceedingly. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They rejoiced exceedingly. Of course. Of course they did. This week, as you go in peace, may we rejoice exceedingly for the one who has come. Amen. And you are the 
Let the praises ring. 